compares. There's no other name whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus defeats every enemy, every foe, every sickness. Oh, hallelujah. God, we lift you up in one mind and one accord tonight. Lord, you are perfect. God, your throne, God, is eternal. Your kingdom has no end. Oh, we magnify you. We praise you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, there's no sweeter name that I know. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. Oh, worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, God. Who's happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Praise God. Praise God. There's no other place to be than in the house of the Lord. There's no other place better to be than in the house of the Lord. Oh, we celebrate you, King of kings and Lord of lords. We lift you up, mighty God. It doesn't matter what happened in our day. It doesn't matter what our body feels like right now. God, you are worthy to be praised. All of the glory is yours. All of the honor is yours. King of heaven and King of earth. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. There's nothing like being at the Pentecostal Church of Harvey. Pastor says, and he said it when I first visited in 2019, that this was the best church. And I thought to myself, man, I've, I've been to some pretty good churches. But I tell you what, when you are a part of the body of the living Christ, when you're a part of a body that is submitted, like this body is submitted, Thank you so much for your prayer tonight. Thank you so much for preparing your hearts tonight, for lifting up the King who is worthy. This is the best church in the whole world. Isn't that right, Pastor Mitch? Amen. 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 Thank you so much for coming out tonight. You're dismissed. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. This is uh, a huge honor of mine. I get to dismiss the Super Church class to go down to Super Church tonight, get to dismiss the teens are staying in. I do not get to dismiss them. Teens are staying in tonight. I'm so grateful. So grateful for everybody coming out, spending their Thursday night in the house of the Lord. You can return to your seats. We're going to do some calisthenics, standing up and sitting down and getting our blood flowing. So grateful, so grateful for the house of God. So grateful for this body coming together one mind and one accord, we're seeking the things of God. I'm grateful to be able to, to be up behind this pulpit. I know every single Thursday I'm typically preaching. I'm preaching downstairs. I was talking to somebody at work about that today, talking about, talking about church. And they said, oh, how often do you preach? I said, every single Thursday I get to preach. We're preaching downstairs pouring out the word and allowing prayer and worship downstairs. We're grateful to all of our parents to all of our grandparents in this house. We're having amazing, wonderful things happening in Super Church. So grateful to be able to be up here in what I like to call Big Person Church. We're going to have an amazing time in the Lord. I'm grateful, of course, to Pastor Anthony, Sister Michelle. We're missing them. Please keep them in prayer as they're away and they're out this week. So grateful that God has blessed me with a wonderful wife. Thankful for her. She's down ministering to the children so that I can be up here with you tonight. I know I'm very excited for this time. Don't worry, you don't have to listen to me for the full three hours. 
Brother Nicholas and I are going to split it. We've, we've, uh, we're under submission an hour and a half each, right? That's, that's what I was told now. Um, but so grateful, so grateful. You're going to be able to hear the Word of God from, from two vessels tonight. And in that, I wanted to, to start us off with a, a title. Anybody else really like sermon titles? I'm usually somebody that I really like sermon titles. I create a sermon title, and I think it's so fun and so cool, and then it has nothing to do with the sermon. So if that happens tonight, I apologize in advance, but I, I promise you the Word of God is going to go forth, and I believe that hearts are going to be ministered to in a mighty and powerful way. Tonight we're going to talk about climbing the mountain, and what I want to do is I want to encourage you, the church, God is going to be challenging us to climb the mountain. We have a choice whether we want to climb it or whether we don't. And so tonight I want to encourage this church to climb the mountain. We're going to go to the word of the Lord together before I release you to sit down. Exodus 33 and verse 15 reads, And he said unto him, He is Moses, and him is God. So he, Moses, said unto God, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. You may be seated. I'm going to talk to us a little bit tonight about climbing mountains, of course. And I'm usually somebody that is very, very uh, out in the clouds with my, with my words and with my sermons, with my ideas. I want to try to make this as practical as possible tonight. I'm so grateful for, for our hearts being prepared. I truly truly believe that God prepared our hearts in prayer for what he desires to speak and do tonight. In this Exodus chapter 33, we see Moses, and Moses is having a conversation with God. Now, I know some of us, when we're at home and we're praying, we're talking to God, we've got a journal with us, and sometimes we're journaling, and we can put what we're talking to God and what we hear back from him. This is an example where we're looking at what Moses said to God. And in it, Moses said, I know that you're here with me, God. I know that you have ordered my steps, that you've given me power and authority, and that the only reason that the children of Israel are here is because of you. And Moses said, God, I know that you've done all these amazing things, and I know who I am and my inconsistencies and my weaknesses. And God, I promise you that I'm not going anywhere unless you're coming with me because I know that I'm in your presence right now. In Exodus 33, we're coming up on a time, and I invite you to be able to study it when you go home, where Israel was Exodus. They were delivered from Egypt they were in their freedom. They were uh, out in the wilderness. They were worshiping God. They built the tabernacle. And this moment right here is right after Moses went up to the mountain, received the Ten Commandments, and came back down and found the children of Israel worshiping other gods, worshiping a calf. So he experienced all this disappointment, all this hurt, all this pain. And in that, God ended up going back into the children of Israel and offering mercy and offering love. And, and Moses is saying, God, I know that you've extended this. I know that, you're, that, that your children are still here right now, but I need you to keep going with me. I need you to, to keep staying with me. And in that, he had such a hunger and such a desire for God. Moses said, God, you spoke the vision. You delivered your people from bondage. Your spirit is here, but what is next? What's going to happen next? I know that you've delivered us. I know that you have forgiven us for our idol worship. But God, whatever is going to happen next, I need you in it. 
In 33 and 18, he says, God, I need you so much. I just want you to show me your glory. I need you. Imagine in this moment, Moses crying unto God, God, show me your glory. He is the person that he already went up to the mountain, already experienced God, already received the Ten Commandments from God, and he's saying, God, it's not enough. I need to see more of you. There are some things that will happen in life where we recognize a need for something, right? We have bills come in, we say, hey, I need money to be able to pay for these bills. We are driving our vehicle down the road and we say, hey, I need to charge up this car if it's electric or I need gasoline in the engine to be able to keep moving and to keep going. And Moses at this point, so hungry for the things of God, recognized I need to see the glory of God. I need to see the presence of God in a greater way. Otherwise, there's no point to anything. I can see him just point blank saying it. Church, I want to challenge us tonight to have the heart of Moses when it comes to seeking the glory of God. I'm sure that every single one of us at some point have encountered somebody, maybe in this church, maybe in our homes, maybe out on the street, where you see them and automatically you recognize there's something different about that person. There are people on the street that hopefully they're looking at you and they're looking at me, and they're seeing that we have spent time with God if we seek the glory of God and if we seek his presence like we never have before, seeking to go to a newer level, a newer depth, and to see even more because he always has more for his church, saying we want to experience it all, then we are choosing to climb the mountain. And I believe that in this church we have a large amount of people, if not every single person in this church, that when you come to Harvey, there's a reason that you came to Harvey. When you came to this church, you're, you're dedicating yourself. God, I'm here for everything that you have for me. God, I'm here because I'm hungry. God, I'm here because I recognize that there's a need in my life. And then as that need is met, we get to make a decision to either be whole at the bottom of the mountain or to be able to start climbing and to continue moving forward for the greater things that God has for us. You see, looking through Scripture, we're looking often at our patriarchs, at our examples that have gone before, humans just like you and me that have gone before us and experienced a life with God. And see, Moses climbing a mountain, Moses saying he wants more from God is not the first or the only time that we see God direct somebody to step away to be able to experience his presence in a special way. In Genesis 22, we see God having a conversation with Abraham, and he says, Behold, here I am. Once again, establishing God was there intimately, personally with Abraham. And he said to Abraham to take the promise that he waited for for 25 years, his son Isaac, to be able to go up and to climb a mountain, not even telling him exactly what mountain or what peak to go to, but saying, Abraham, I have this trip for you to take. You're going to have to go out of your way a little bit, but once you go up this mountain, it's all going to work out you're going to sacrifice your son, the promise that you waited for for 25 years, but now you're going to sacrifice it and it's all going to be okay. Can you imagine how Abraham felt in this time? I cannot even. 25 years waiting for the promise, the promise coming to pass, and then going on a trip with Isaac being old enough to be able to have conversation and understand what his father was about to do to him. Sometimes, church, 
When God has given us a promise and we've waited so long for it and we see it come to pass, we can just hold on to it. And we don't want to release it to God. We don't want to do anything but just hold on to that promise. But guess what? That promise in its fulfillment is not everything that God has for you or for me in that moment. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we see another example of somebody that went away into a mountain to be able to experience the things of God. In 1 Kings 19, we read about Elijah. Elijah just executed possibly the most amazing, exciting miracle in the entire Bible with the fire of God coming down and slaying all of the prophets of Baal. The most amazing, in my opinion, seeing fire from God and then seeing an entire nation turn back to God in that moment. What an amazing, powerful thing. Can you imagine that happening today in America? And yet in this amazing miracle where God exercised his authority and his power and his hand upon Elijah's life, we see Elijah running from the queen of the time because he's fearful for his life. Elijah in this moment... We see him hiding under a tree and asking God, God, can I die? Will you please let me die? I don't want to continue going on. Think about this. The man that just experienced such power and such awesomeness of God, asking God to be able to be released from life, to be released from service to God. In response to this, God in his perfect wisdom sent an angel down, and in that angel told him, arise and eat, Because the journey is too great for you. Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. Elijah didn't even recognize, do do I need to keep going on a journey? Can I please just get out of this and can I please be done? But God already had something set up for Elijah, something deep, something greater. And in that, Elijah got to experience the glory of God like only Moses got to experience before. You see, these men of God, we put them on pedestals. You can see that I put Elijah on a pedestal like, wow, fire from heaven coming down. That's so awesome. An entire generation without thinking about every human feeling in that moment of fear, of anxiety, of depression, any, any of those things that could come there. You see, these are life-changing and eternal moments that we are reading about and looking at with these precious men of God. We're looking at them and we can see that Elijah was experiencing some of the same things that we experience today. As we're going through our life and as we're submitting to God, we can experience depression. We can experience fear. And we can be uncertain about everything that's happening in life around us. Even if God has shown himself to be the true ruler. We can see and imagine that Abraham could have been broken and distraught. Even though he was following the voice of God. Even though he had experienced his promise. We can imagine and we can understand Him not understanding and having conversations with God, saying, God, I have no idea why you're asking me to do this, but you've been good to me this far, so I'm going to continue moving on and continue following. God trusts us, and he trusts our character. In the word of God, it says that he's never going to give us too much for us to bear. The beauty of God is that he is taking our strength and our strength is actually true weakness and he always is going to give us something with knowledge that we can turn to him and we can experience the fullness of what God has for us. That we can lean on God's strength, lean on his understanding and that he can pour it all out into us to receive what he has in store. You see, Moses knew without any shadow of a doubt, God, I'm in the right place. 
in that conversation in the tent. God, I know your presence here. I know that you're in the right place, that I'm in the right place. God, I know that, that me being the leader of Israel was not by my hands, but that it was by yours. And we can see that Moses recognized that the only thing that mattered in life was staying in the presence of God. The only thing that mattered was staying in the glory of God. Every single one of these men, with all of their human emotions, human feelings, had a moment where they could choose to stay where they were at or to climb the mountain. They could stay where they were at or they could decide to step out even though it didn't make sense for any of them to do so. My prayer tonight, church, is that we'll seek after God not only for who he is, not only for what he does for us, but exactly for who he is. We're not here in serving God because he's our healer or he's our provider. We shouldn't be here because God has saved us. We should be here because he is perfect and he is wonderful, that he is the creator who did everything. If we can have an affection for God that is pure, that is absolute compassion for God, for the one that created us with absolute intentionality. We can submit everything to God. We can experience a greater glory and a greater understanding of God than we've ever experienced before. Church, God wants us to experience a new level of his glory, a new level of his power, a new level of his holiness. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Isaiah 6. In Isaiah 6, we see a prophet in the king, the year that King Uzziah died, and he's in the throne room with God, and he recognizes that he is a man of unclean lips, and he asks God, please purge me and please cleanse me. He calls out for God to sanctify and to cleanse him, and in that moment, he's able to be a mouthpiece, and he's able to not only experience the glory and the holiness of God, but then to go back to earth to reach out and to share that glory and that power with others. What would happen today, church, if you and I were honest? Honest with God on how we felt. Honest with God on where we were in our life. That we could view our circumstance and we could say, just like Elijah said, man, this life is really scary and it's really tough. God, do I need to keep going on? What if we were at a point where we were Abraham, we were living in our fulfilled life, we were living in the promise, and yet God asked us to give something up? Would we sit there and submit to him and keep walking forward, or would we hold on to it with everything that we have? Moses was living humbly and hungry for God with everything that he had, and yet he said, I want more. I need more. I'm absolutely confident that in this church and in this body, we have people that are in every single one of those situations and every one of those scenarios. God has moved and God has spoken upon this church, mighty and amazing revival. God has plans for us that are far beyond where we're at right now. It's not going to be by our power or by our strength. It's not going to be by our amazing abilities, but it's going to be by God's Spirit that we see these miraculous things happen. God desires, church, for us to have a greater sensitivity 
to his glory. God has great and amazing things that he desires for us, church. I want to encourage you tonight to hunger and to thirst after God's glory and after his righteousness. Back in the streets of Azusa, and I know I've talked about it before, but there's just something about God's glory. The church building, the people were so hungry for God that they had 24-hour service every single day of the week. People were praying, people were singing, people were preaching, people were prophesying. And in that, the hunger and the desire and the glory of God that filled that place was so mighty and so powerful that the people in the surrounding areas saw actual flames coming off of the building. The power of God and the holiness of God was so physically manifest that the people around them and the people in the area could see the glory of God. This last weekend we met at the Illinois District Prayer Meeting up in Addison. And we were praying for apostolic authority and apostolic experience like we've never experienced it before. And in that, I'm sure everybody that was there experienced different things from God speaking to you on what to expect in this new time, in this church body, in our streets, in our work, in our jobs. And the only thing that I could think of, the only thing that I could feel in that moment was God's desire to pour out his glory again. We may be experiencing God's glory, but we're just experiencing a small part of it, church. In the New Testament, when Jesus went up on the mountain, with the mountain of transfiguration, we saw Moses and we saw Elijah up there with him. Those are the only two men in the Bible that we see that went up and climbed the mountain, were able to see the glory of God and survive it. You see, there's something that needs to happen in you and I to be able to truly experience the glory of God. And it's not going to happen if we're standing where we're standing right now. God's calling us further, church. He's calling us to examine the soil of our hearts to be able to see if we're going to continue moving and continue sifting. We may be too filled with vines that are choking out the word and what God desires to do. We might be looking at the rocks that are in our soil, and we could be seeing the pain and the hurt of disappointments. We could see how tough it is to be able to, to feel the fruit of what God is doing in our lives. But I promise you, if we keep sifting through the soil of our hearts, if we keep sifting through what God has done and is doing in our lives, then we're going to get to the point where we see fruit. The fruit that God wants for us, church, is not something that's easily obtained. But when we get to the point where we allow that fruit to grow and to be able to rise up after going through that sifting process, it's the sweetest fruit that you could ever imagine. What happens, church, is that God moves upon us and he heals and he restores and he grows. And what he desires to do in us is to be able to produce something this world has never seen before. If we make the choice to climb the mountain, if we make the choice to continue going one step further, one step ahead, God is going to be able to release his glory unto us like we've never experienced before. Back in old Pentecost, and I'm closing up. We can all stand. We're going to transition in a moment. Back in old Pentecost, the Pentecostals were called the Holy Rollers. Has anybody ever heard that before? Is everybody familiar with that term? 
They were called Holy Rollers. And this last Saturday at Edison, as I was praying, I thought to myself, my God, what would happen if you or I came to the house of God or we were praying and talking with God and we were so overwhelmed by the glory of God that not only all we could do was lay down on the ground, but all we could do to be able to express our awe of the glory of God is roll our body back and forth and back and forth, that we'd be so consumed by the Spirit of God that we can see it and we can feel it. God, I know everything that you have for me, and it's so beautiful and so perfect, and we're so caught up in heaven. We need to let it out. We need to express it, but there's nothing that we can do but roll back and forth and back and forth. Church, I'm telling you, the glory of God is about to be poured out like it never has before. God is about to move upon us if we keep our hearts softened and our ears open. And I believe and I'm declaring tonight that the Spirit of God is going to move and hit us so powerfully that we're going to respond to it like we never have before. My prayer tonight is that when that happens, that we will keep hungering and thirsting after more. Imagine 10 or 20 people laying across this altar, completely slain by the Spirit of God. I pray that instead of laughing and mocking, that we would seek God's glory to slay us as well. I'm telling you, church, we're about to experience something that we've only read about in books and things that we've never experienced before. The glory of God is going to hit this church. It's going to hit our houses. It's going to hit our houses, our hearts, our minds, and every single part of us. And the only thing that's going to keep us from it is if we choose to stay where we're at instead of taking a step forward. If we choose, God, I've had enough, and I don't need any more. God desires to move upon us in a mighty and powerful way. So with that, we're going to have Brother Nicholas come. But I would love for us to raise our hands, and I would love for us to pray and ask God to move upon us. Oh, God, I want your glory in my